Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast, brought to you by friends at SaneBox.com. A great deal from them coming up. Stay tuned. I am your host, Michael Graham. Andy Smerick, who is the Mortgage Fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, has a terrific cover story. Unfortunately, it's for a different magazine. So we'll have... No, it's ours. Andy. It is yours. Thank you so much for having me. No, we are happy to have you. It is a terrific uh, piece about anti-fragility That's in right. the assu- on, on the Trump assault. And I want to start by reading just a line. Much of America's intelligentsia has been in an acute state of hypochondria since Trump's election. With each passing day, they discover new reasons for hand-wringing over the prospects of the union. But the American body politic is preternaturally robust. What do you mean by that robustness? Because I've been listening to you know CNN and MSNBC, and we're one step away step away from a you know r- r- uh, Molotov Ribbentrop <laughs> pact between Bannon That's and right. Hitler. It, it's the end days. If, if we believe what we're told, it's the very end. No, I mean if you go back to even the Federalist Papers, our founders like were clear about this: um, men are not angels, and men are not going to be governed by angels. So we have to set up these systems. We have to set up a system of government that's going to protect us. So that's why we have federalism and separation of powers and why we have in America this great thing, civil society, nonprofit groups and local groups doing things. Um, it protects us from bad guys at the top doing bad things to our country. And we're safe. We are robust. David Frum does not agree. He says this is the most danger our democratic system has been since we've been alive. Yeah, it has been noticeable that both during the campaign and then afterwards, how so many people who are um, part of the chattering class think that America is a China shop, that we just have to wring our hands uh, all the time about how everything is going to collapse on us. And part of the reason for this piece is saying, yeah, we may not like what's happening, but right. take a deep breath. Things are going to be okay. But, you know, there are a lot of people who don't want to hear that for so many reasons. I think there's two groups. One is a group that uh, just for whatever reason, I think Trump appealed to these voters. They, it's somehow emotionally satisfying to think that you're in an existential struggle at all times. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I did talk right. radio. I did talk radio for a long time. And, you know, every day they, they wanted another topic that was, this is the end. You know, Obama's a Kenyan socialist spy for Al-Qaeda, <laughs> you know, right. or on the other side, you know, Bush is going to open FEMA camps and drag every woman there who wants an abortion. You know? So that, that there's a certain panic friendly person out there. But there's a second group. And I think that your piece is designed to address them, which is there are people who want to believe that politics is all encompassing and that Mm -hmm. a single political mistake is doomed. When I gave speeches, I used to say that it's far more important who your pastor is or who your kid's first grade teacher is or who your neighbor is than it is who the president of the United States is for how you actually live. And people would get mad at me afterwards and say, how can you say that? That's right. Well, Ben Sass has been terrific, incidentally, about this exact point recently, trying to convince people, yeah, things are bad, but politics is not everything. Um, and this is one of the reasons why People like you and I believe in decentralization and subsidiarity and civil society groups, because uh, when you centralize power, if someone gets in charge of a centralized government, they can do awful things. But in our system, it matters who your neighbors are and who your church is and who your little civil um, civic association is and the Elks Club and your little kids baseball team. That's the stuff of life. And so um, people outside of the Beltway, they sometimes just shake their head at our obsession over what's happening here in D.C., (laughs) 
um, it's really not the end of the world. But there are people who would argue this case, that over the years, particularly after World War II, there's been this accretion of power in Correct. Washington. And if you have a person with malintent at you know, heading that organization, that you're going to feel it. And an example they could give is the IRS going after uh, people trying to start Tea Party groups. Mm-hmm. An example they could theoretically give is, you know, Donald Trump, whatever, maybe unsavory connections with the Russians. It, it is possible that he could use the you know, levers of government to benefit uh, family members with contracts in foreign countries, et cetera. How can you say that there's no danger with a madman like Donald Trump? Well, this is exhibit A, why we should have federalism and separation of powers and we should trust local groups is because whether you're conservative or progressive, eventually uh, the other side, they're going to control the reins of power. Mm-hmm. So the less we centralize power, the better off we're all going to be. I- interestingly, even over the past couple months, some progressive outlets have been talking about the importance of maybe this will be the moment when the left realizes why decentralization is important, mm-hmm. that we just cannot aim all of our energy, all of our politics at Washington, D.C. And if you've ever lived, as I did in Massachusetts or in California, whatever, you know, there's a real, the, the argument, it's okay for Idaho or Indiana to be different doesn't resonate with the left. They think, no, 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 no. My values must dominate everywhere. And so the idea of your experimenting at the state level doesn't gain a lot of purchase. Yeah, with them. if you are of the mind that um, history moves in one direction toward progress and that there is a right answer for everything, you view that you and your friends are on the right side of history and everyone who disagrees, they just haven't um, made their way along the progression to you yet. Mm-hmm. As opposed to those of us who believe in pluralism and decentralization, our view is maybe humans are fallible and mm-hmm. our ability to see the right answer is impure. There are lots of different ways to do things. So allow Idaho to do it the Idaho way. Allow Allow Iowa to do it the Iowa way. Well, I don't have to worry about that because I am, in fact, infallible and I'm always you right. You are. So, exactly. Everyone else. So it's different. It's t- I, My bad. Okay, Andy, so maybe nobody is perfect, but I found the perfect way for you to take control of your email and put it to work for you instead of you working for hours trying to maintain it. It's called SaneBox.com. And if you look at your inbox and have given up on ever getting back to inbox zero, being completely caught up so that when a new email arrives that matters, it's the one thing in your email box. Well, you can get to inbox zero. You can take back your email sanity with SaneBox.com. SaneBox sorts through your email, moves all the trivial stuff into a different folder. So the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. There's also Sane Reminders, automatically remind you when you need a follow-up email. You can snooze emails, a great way to defer less urgent emails so that you can read them later. And all of this works on top of your existing setup. You don't have to create a new email account or download a new app. SaneBox just makes your existing email awesome. And you can try it for free for two weeks by going to SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. Better still, if you decide to buy, you can get an additional $25 credit on top of the two-week free trial. But you got to go to SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. You'll be so glad you did. So let me ask you if you're not at least a little concerned at all by the stack of books on Steve Bannon's nightstand. I mean, he's whipping through these books that are about the fourth wave, ninth cycle, you know, societies collapse, institutions must be destroyed. There's even a book that mentions anti- Anti Anti-fragility. And fragility. I mean, he's trying to break 
the system, right? Well, the article that sort of led to my piece was this Politico article that tried to alarm us all that he does have this stack of books that is uh, like the um, the the playbook for the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And actually, no, one of these key books on his um, nightstand apparently is this great book called Anti-Fragility, the point of which is it is not a playbook on how to destroy things. It's actually a playbook on how things uh, make themselves robust and actually grow stronger when they're challenged. Mm-hmm. And so what I tried to write about is, even if you think Donald Trump and his team are challenging our institutions, what we're seeing, at least over the first 100 days, are our institutions maybe even getting stronger, not just pushing back, which they are. They are resisting. They're proving to be robust. But maybe they're actually strengthening. But there are, once again, people who would argue this is a newfound strength in the Trump era that when President Obama was in place, the media were more than happy to give up their mm-hmm. mission of you know uh, discomforting the comfortable. Uh, the Senate was more than happy as an institution when Harry Reid was running it to set aside their senatorial prerogatives and act essentially as a parliament for their president. Yes. Is this, one, is this a, a, a movement that only arises when Republicans or in the White House, only then do the other institutions rise to the occasion? No, I don't think so. Um, I even went back and did some studying on this. Like, What are the instances where Congress stepped up to the plate when a president went too far? Well, the greatest example early in our history was King Andrew. Andrew Jackson, well, he stepped out of line a couple times. Congress actually censured him, formally censured him. There are the famous examples of LBJ and Nixon leading to the Watergate hearings, um, potential impeachment, but also the War Powers Act. There are these examples that Congress once in a while, we'll step up and act like the first branch again. Well, that's the day I'm looking for, but I'm still. The health care debate did not help me with that. Let me ask you about one thing to conclude here that was recently in the news, which is the filibuster. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm intuiting, I'm, I'm positing based on your piece that you were sorry to see the filibuster go because it's a, uh-huh. one of the many. You know, anti-fragility. You know, pins in the machine. You know, kind of hold, limits power and uh, and protects people. I've never thought about whether or not the filibuster in general is a good or bad thing. What I would say is. Um, I, I look at this recent filibuster debate more in terms of our courts have become so powerful and have done so many things that people consider undemocratic. Uh, of course, there are going to be big fights about Supreme Court justices. This is the nature of the courts at this point. And inevitably, we were going to get a point where it just became so partisan that we would have these 52, 48 votes. Mm-hmm. So I actually look at the filibuster in this case being more a victim of the politicization of our courts um, and the confirmation process than anything. And if you believe that Congress should be first among equals in those three equal branches of government, then you can quote again Thomas Jefferson and angels to govern us in this idea that the court should not be beyond the reach of the people because at the end, when you go through all the balances and barriers and strictures and divisions, the people should be sovereign. Uh, well, that is the hope. Um, and this is why the piece starts to talk about how Congress needs to step up, not just against the presidency, mm-hmm. but the executive branch, um, the administrative state, the courts, and so forth. Step up, Congress. And United Airlines. And they United really Airlines. need for you to step up. Andy Smerick, a great cover story for the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure.